Hey guys, welcome to The Pursuit of Love. You may notice something different here is that I'm starting the show. Um, and <laughs> Matt, we finally we finally had our way. The parents are away. We get to finally have some real fun around here. For sure. Uh, Steve will not be joining us for this podcast. Instead, we will taking the, we'll be taking the piss out of him the entire time, which will be a lot of fun. <laughs> And we're joined by a great man, Dewan Brown. Welcome, Dewan. Hey, welcome. Thank you. Thank you for welcoming yeah, man. me. I'm, I'm happy to be here. You got it, man. So uh, we, a, a few of the people that listen to the podcast will know who you are. We do have uh, a number of American friends that listen to the show that we actually met, Dewan, at uh, the Sales Success Summit in Austin, Texas. What was that, man? Was that October last year? That was October. Uh, it was an awesome time. And it, was, it was great to meet you, uh, obviously. So... Yeah, uh, looking forward to being there again next year. Or this year, yeah. it's 2020 already. Yeah, that's it. We're playing the sales game there this year. Did you hear? Did Scott tell you? No, I don't think so. Yeah, it's happening. It's happening. We've made oh, it happen man. at the after party. <laughs> I don't know if I should be saying that out loud, but anyway, whatever. <laughs> it's been spoiled now. We can um, cut it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't cut it. Don't cut <laughs> it. Um, so we met, Dewan, we met. And uh, man, I want to tell a story about you um, that you don't even know I'm about to tell the story about because... <laughs> It was pretty funny. It was the first time I met you. There was like six people all standing around and we were just chatting like surface level sales stuff. The conversation was like, yeah, what do you guys think of that speaker? And like, yeah, I agreed with this. I didn't think that. And it was very, uh, very common sales chat. And, uh, and then you walked on up out of nowhere. And then in like this, this, this deep voice just like came out of nowhere and just dropped some major philosophical line and everyone was just like silent for three seconds after it to be like man that guy made us think there for a second <laughs> and then man then then we heard your talk at the sales success summer i think you spoke on the second day was that right yeah so i had um i was a part of two panels uh and to be honest with right. you, like that whole time is a blur in terms of when i was on a panel i think it was day two though yeah, yeah. And uh and man, we we my Steve and myself, we both looked at each other a number of times when you were on stage and we're just like, man, this guy has some of the most interesting perspectives on the world of sales, on the world of business, on us as people at large. And uh man, we had to have you on as a guest because we want to we want to share you with our audience because we our audience knows we like to go deep, we like to get philosophical, we like to challenge each other. Man, it's a lot of fun and we know that you know, man, to have you as a guest on this is just prime time as far as they're concerned. So thanks for being uh, here, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, those are kind of words. I'm encouraged. Yeah, awesome, bro. Awesome, man. So just just to give a bit of background, man, um, as I said mm-hmm. to you before, like we can we can dive into your work and things like that a bit down the line. But what's your sort of backstory, man? Like where did you grow up? Where were you born? Yeah, yeah. How did it all come to be? Yeah, good, good question. So I was born in uh, a whopping 1975. Um, in uh, a city called Petersburg, Virginia. Um, and so it's about, yep. the capital of Virginia is Richmond. That's where I live now. Uh, but Petersburg, my hometown is 25 minutes, 30 minutes away from Richmond, uh, south. Yes. And uh, so yeah, that's that's where I was born. I was born to a, a young mother. Um, and you know the rest is proverbial history, I guess. Yeah, there you go. And then, so your, your parents from a young age, was your father around, was... Yeah, good question. Yeah, so my father has always been around. Um, my parents got yeah. married when I was seven years old. Um, yeah, awesome. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so it was, you know, inner city um, community that I grew up in. Um, and, and so, you know, saw a lot of things, heard a lot of things, witnessed a lot of things, experienced a lot of things. 
um, a lot of which shaped me probably to be the type of person that I am today. Um, and, yeah. I, and I attribute you know a lot of a lot of my thought process and, and, and philosophies to some of that upbringing. Yeah, nice man, nice. Um, I want to I want to dive into that nice and early if that's that's cool with you. No yeah. beating around the bush. Yeah, um, your your philosophy on life, which I'm sure will unfold as this podcast goes on, but mm-hmm. your philosophy on life. Are you two questions? Are you aware that you do see the world a little bit differently to the rest of the people in the business world around you? And if so, because uh, I know the answer is yes. Uh, when 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 did you start to notice that? When did that sort of all come about for you? Yeah, I you know that's that that is a good question. I think there are points where I'm more aware, and then points when I'm less aware. Right. So um, I'm more aware that you know when I share something. And then, you know, you get the raised eyebrows or you get the three seconds of, of silence that you referred to in, in, in Austin. Yeah, yeah. This is like, oh, wait, <laughs> that's not what you all think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so yeah. Those, are, yeah those, those are punctuated moments of uh, anomaly, right? Like, oh, that's different. Um, but but largely, I think that philosophically, um, I, I don't know that uh, there's a point when I can say this is when when the way that I see the world originated mm, per se. Mm. Um, but I but I did see like when it comes to like service and serving people and you know thinking quote unquote outside the box like those are things that that developed pretty early in my life just because of how how I was raised and then sort of a transition. I, so so yeah. So here's probably the point when I was in eighth grade, so all the way up from kindergarten, pre-kindergarten to eighth grade, I, I was in the public school system in Petersburg, uh, which, you know, I credit, you know, uh, you know, I credit with, for a lot of like my development, early development, childhood, educational development. But then in ninth grade, uh, my parents made the decision to put me in a Catholic school for high school. So from ninth to 12th grade, I went to, uh, I went to high school at a Catholic high school in Petersburg. And a lot of my worldview was just not only challenged, but sort of shifted and changed. Yeah. Were you a religious man before that point? No, no. Uh, So, so at 14, um, I I sort of became what many would call religious uh, in that I adopted Christianity. You know, I started to to live that type of life um, at 14. So it it almost coincided with my going to Catholic school, which was ninth grade, 14 Mm. years old. So for that first several years in high school, um, a lot of it was lived out of this newfound Christianity, so to speak. So, uh, mm. yeah, so that's that. It, it all kind of coincided. Like I'm leaving the public school system. I'm entering into this new world, which uh, transparently like was my first time like being in the milieu with like uh, a majority of white white people. Right. Um, mm. so I'm from a city that's largely uh, African-American. And then I moved into this high school, which was largely white. And then simultaneously, I'm walking out this new faith. Yeah. So um, there was a lot of change in a very short period. Yeah. Yeah, man. Can you tell us a bit more about what that was about? Yeah. What that was like? Yeah, it was. It was. It was. It was weird um, on one hand, but then on the other hand, it was just like, wow. So the the things that I'm learning in church, as it were, as to how I should be toward my neighbor, how I should be treating other people, um, how I should be thinking about myself in the world, not too hot, not too haughty or high of myself. Uh, but also not too low uh, or self-deprecating. Uh, all of those things were like, this was prime time for me to start living that way because I was around a brand new audience that I might have been tempted to live otherwise around based on unfamiliarity, mm-hmm. right? So it was just like the perfect storm. Like I'm supposed to live this way and I actually desire to. 
And now is the time when I absolutely need to because I'm in a new space with new people. Yeah, man. Nice. I um I like I like what you said there uh, before you said it was something like not think too high of myself, but also not think too low. Right. And you put a post out on LinkedIn the other day. It was it was one of my favorite posts of yours. Um, and it was something it was something along the lines of I uh, uh, I want to live in the way that I've been raised, which is not to think too highly of myself, or I've got a life life passion of yeah. consistently finding ways to not to think too highly of myself. Right. Yeah. Yes. I was speaking with my mentor the other day and he mentioned to me a, a major difference in life, which is the difference between it being egocentric and the be and the difference between being egoic. Mm. Um, and egocentric is actually being egocentric is actually healthy. Being egocentric is what a tree does. It takes up water because it needs it for itself. Yeah. Um, it's it's okay to want things for yourself. In fact, it's part of life and it's natural to need and want things for yourself. Yeah. Becoming egoic is when you take things for yourself at the detriment of other people. You're aware of your doing the fact that you're doing it, and you're okay with doing it. Yeah. Um, and I suppose the it's probably like a major concept or theme in the way I've seen you go about business. To one is that you are very much about other people. You put other people first, and it's probably is at the head of your philosophy. Am I correct in assuming that? That is correct. Yeah. Yeah. yeah right. So how how did you how did you sort of uh, roll that one out in your own mind? Was there a time when you're like, okay, I'm going to make this all about other people? Was there a time where you made it too much about others and took it too far and had to learn the lesson that way? Or did that always just come naturally to you? Speaking from experience here, man, I've, I've done yeah. it. I've, yeah. I've, got, I've gone too far making it about other people. Like, you know, like it wrecks you. It yeah, does. it does. Like, I mean, yeah, you can imagine if a tree is just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Tree next to me, you have all the water. Right. Yeah. And that tree would die. Mm. Uh, and so, you know, certainly there have been times where I've thought, um, man, I'm going to I'm going to do these things. These are the, this is the way I'm going to approach this particular scenario. Um, and it's going to be purely about these people or this person. And it's going to be absolutely nothing about myself or what I might stand to gain from it, et cetera, et cetera. And I think that that might be at times wrong headed um, because it, it is. It's not it's not that like when I think about like the Zig Ziglar quote that, you know, that I always butcher, but you know, <laughs> at least adopt. And, and that, you know, if you want to get uh, what you want or need, then the best way to it is to help as many other people get what they want or need. Mm -hmm. So, you know, people hear that and it, it just sounds like, oh, give, 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 with no expectation that you're going to get. But I think inherent in the quote is if you want the things that you want to need, right? Then you see to it that other people get what they want to need. Yeah. Right. It's not it's not I'm doing this so that I can get what I want to need. But I understand that by doing this, I'm going to get what I want to need. Yeah. So it's just, you know, that's sort of that really, really, uh, I think, healthy, but also tension filled balance that I walk life with is knowing that by taking specific actions, um, I'll be benefited in some way at some point, possibly far into the future. Yes. Um, and also being selfless as I take those acts. Mm -hmm. Right. So knowing that I'm going to receive, but it's not about my receipt is a really, really, uh, again, tension filled, uh, line to talk. Yeah, uh, yeah. And I think that, yeah, you know what I mean? Like, it's just like, is that what you're doing it for? No. But do I know that that's going to be the result? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So how do you deal? How do you deal with that tension? Yeah, that's right? good. Thoughts on that, Matt? I, I completely agree. Like, I understand what he's saying. Yeah. I, I've thought, I've thought that way. Uh, go on. Just that, you know, if you are helping out other people, 
then eventually everything just kind of comes full circle. It does. I think that I yeah. think we can get caught into like we can caught in get caught in a term I'm just about to make up right now, which is a Mother Teresa paradox, right? Which is like when we need to understand that we're not Mother Teresa, and I don't even think mm-hmm. Mother Teresa was the Mother Teresa that we that we even painted her out to be, you know, I think that, you know, she'd, she'd even look at it and go, guys, like I, I had my selfish acts. Like I wasn't, right. I wasn't, you know, perfect in that sense that you're describing me in. Um, right. But man, I, I think it's a, I think it is a, I think it's a quick path to burnout, even though the start of that journey of being like, yes, I finally discovered I'm going to make this all about other people and, and serve them to the best of my ability. I think that can feel really good mm-hmm. for about one or two years max. Yeah. And then all of a yeah. sudden, once you realized you've been sending emails to everyone who needed to be taken care of and making phone calls and given discounts and all of that for long enough and you forgot to eat and drink water instead, <laughs> it, it doesn't take long for you to realize there's got to be another way. There's got to be another yeah. way. And you got, I mean, you have to imagine too, like, man, I have six kids and a wife. You know, Um, so so to some degree, like there is this this notion that um, the best way that I can serve you is to say no. Yeah. um, At times. And I think that's where. um, So to answer your question about, like, has there been a time when I've kind of gone too far or taken that too far? Mm. Yeah. It's been not realizing that the best service I can actually provide this person in this moment is to decline the offer to serve. Oh man. Um, because because if I don't and I serve you out of this small space or bandwidth that I have available, I'm going to actually do a disservice to you. Yes. Because you're not going to get what you came for, right? It's, it's it would be like this. Like when you guys said, "Hey, can you come to the podcast and let's let's have these uh, have this chat, man." I, I was excited, but guess what? If if I was spread super thin, at this moment and my family had you know extreme needs at this moment for me to say yes and come here to speak to you guess what you'd get from me yeah like, about 10 percent of dewan yeah it's just that and that's just that's not a service to you all that's yeah. the opposite and so like that recognition is extremely important as well is that literally the best way i can serve you is to decline how do you think people would make that decision between what's the top value right now you know so for example I think I think saying no is a whole lot harder than saying yes, uh, and yeah. I think many people in the business world, many people listening to this podcast, would be nodding their heads in agreement on that one right now. Um, Absolutely. What What do you think is sort of a, a key to that understanding what to say no to? I, I think I'd consider myself a kindergartner in that range at the moment. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It. It. And, and you know, I I would be remiss if I came on here and said you know I have it all figure out as it relates to saying no to the right things and yes to the right things. Mm. But, you know, there, there is, I, I spent 12 and a half years working at Intuit. Uh, and, you know, one of the things that Intuit was really, really good at in, in sort of the leadership space was like defining the critical few, right? Mm. So some people call it true North. Um, some people call it like the, you know, whatever your top priorities, like bubbling things down to that. And then literally, you know, does, does what I'm being requested to do or what I'm being asked to do, I, if I'm not able to draw a line directly from that thing to one of the critical few, then it's, it, it becomes a little bit easier for me to say no. And, and, and it's the same thing, like Simon Sinek and that whole start with why. Like 
And then people, like, mm. you know, it's really, really rampant across you know social media and in the sales world specifically, but find your why. Mm. The reason to find your why is not just so you can articulate your why. The reason that you can find your, you want to find your why is so that you'll be able to uh, clearly identify the yeses and nos that you need to say. Mm. Yeah. Makes decision making a whole lot easier. Right. Because I could. It's really hard for me to say no to something that's a really, really good idea, unless yeah. that really, really good idea doesn't drive towards the critical few. Yeah, nice. Yeah, I love it. Right, and so then, it, then yeah, then it's like, okay, well, this is this is what we're shooting for. Can you help me understand how what you're asking me to do helps us toward one of these things? Yeah, if not, then it's then I have to say no, right? Yeah, it's an it's an easy decision to say no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I like it. I like it. Um, and, and this is a, another thing with it as well is sometimes a particular activity that you're partaking in or a particular decision that you're making may not necessarily look like it is driving your big why forward, but it can be. So for example, Steve right. and I and, and Matt every now and then when he wants to bring the camera out, we play a lot of golf um, and we, you know, it may not look like that that actually helps us in business. Um, right we do make a lot of videos out of it and have a lot of fun and all that. But the truth of the matter is the conversations that we have on the golf course about business have been some of the best that have driven our business forward. Um, it's so good for our mental health, although, you know, anger comes in a lot, but that's just golf aside, but you know, uh, you know, it's you good for our mental health. You win all the time. Yeah, that, yeah, that's true. Yeah. 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 That's our first shot at Steve while he's not here. It's about time he won on the golf course and now he's not here to rebut that. So I can just talk about that all I want. You'll get some messages um, later. Yeah, I yeah, trust yeah, it. yeah. I trust it. That's it. <laughs> uh, and it's just it's just good for, you know, that that taking care of yourself, etc. That's the thing is like Yeah. Man, some of the acts that you may take when when you know what your big why is or you know what you're heading towards, there'd be some people from the outside going, How the hell does that point to that why? How does that help? Yeah. But I think you know, you know within yourself, I know that this is helping. I know this is the right thing to do. Yeah. And and there's you know, to that point, right? Like the golf point. Uh, or whatever. Like I, I take brain breaks throughout the day, and, and what the brain breaks look like for me here in this startup is just going, you know, over to the next office and just really talking about pretty much anything. We get into deep philosophy, we get into you know uh, Christianity and Christ following, we get into uh, the next iteration of the platform. I mean, whatever it is, but it's really loose and unscripted mm. talk time, and that to me. Mm is extraordinary in driving me toward my why. Like I need that time, I need those spaces. Uh, and I think that when we think about like what is driving us toward our critical few or what is driving us toward our why, I think one of the things we uh, largely fail to to include or, or, or account for is uh, the both and. So when I think about what drives me toward my why mm -hmm. and the things that I can say no to, like it's not just business oriented or right in line with, uh, you know, the what what makes up the why, right? So if I think about my why from a business perspective is to serve as many people as I possibly can by helping them solve, you know, complex problems in some mm. ways. If that's my why, then most people think that everything that I'll say yes to has to uh, be in the same category or industry or, or yeah or a lot. But no, no, my why, me driving toward my why includes both business oriented, uh, as well as family oriented, as well as free time, as well as fun and leisure. Yes. Like all of these things fit into it because I'm a whole human. Yeah, <laughs> man. I love it. I love it. I wish I had heard this podcast 18 months ago. It's brilliant. <laughs> yeah, nice one, man. Man, so you're, you're in, a, in the startup world. Yeah. 
How's all that going for you? I'm guessing that's cool. I've never never been uh, you know working with a startup so to speak, but sure. I'm curious what how, how's that sort of played out for you? Is it quite a, quite erratic? Is it quite uh, up and down? Is it spasmodic? How's it all go for you? <laughs> they say if it doesn't feel like it's out of control, you're not doing it right. So nice. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So there's a, there's a little bit of all of that. Um, yeah, but but for me, it's just it's 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 who I am. Like in in terms of like you know, a need for speed, a need for agility, uh, love the idea of having ideas and actually seeing them come to fruition uh, on the basis of like something I say or do, like uh, that's that's extremely rewarding for me. And then um, the way I describe it to, to most people is that uh, everything that I know how to do as it relates to sales, I do every day. And then mm. everything that I don't know how to do, I literally have to learn every day yeah wow so it's just like that's the best of both worlds right like yeah you know. man <laughs> so how big's the team yeah. right now we are six founders and two employees i was the first hire so um, outside yeah, nice. of the founders themselves i was the first hire okay. yeah nice. uh, and then, and then what what kind friends. of company is it um it's it's called fringe uh, and we're the world's first uh lifestyle benefits platform personalized lifestyle benefits platform uh, we just make it drop dead easy for companies to love on their people and prove that they care about their people inside and outside of the workplace. How does that look uh, practically? Oh, yeah. Like, do you have an example? Yeah. So, you know, if you think about um, the think about companies who say we want to uh, be diverse and inclusive in the benefits that we offer, and we want to be able to offer benefits that you don't have to be dead sick or too old to actually mm. utilize. Um, so things like, you know, gym memberships is what most companies start start to think of. And then um, some return to work stuff like uh, milk stork, et cetera. Or if you're thinking about mental health and mindfulness, there's 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 a uh, head head space and talk space and all of these things. But every time a company decides they want to think about rolling one of those things out, they have to think about who's going to be impacted by it. And if it's not large enough a swath of their employees, then it never makes sense to do it. But they still would love to be able to offer some of these niche things. So our platform uh, consolidates all of that. So on one platform right now, we're at 75 vendors. They include Headspace, Uber, uh, you know, Netflix, Disney Plus, um, uh, you know, Urban Sitter for child care, um, Milk Stork for mothers who have transitioned back into the workplace, Goodly for student loan repayment, like all of the big rocks that companies want to solve for and, and now have to do individually and, and provide a lot of lift uh, from the yes. admin side. Like, we make it easy. It's on one platform. You roll it out and your employees get to pick what matters to them. At oh, the time how good's that? That's a yeah, brilliant that's idea. Right. It's been pretty awesome. So uh, I'm excited to be a part of it. Man, are you looking to come to Australia with any of that? Is there any way we can help? Yeah. I mean, I think we are thinking about, um, you know, global expansion. We have some companies who have a uh, presence in Israel and, and other countries like, uh, you know, the UK and so forth. So, I think yeah. what what would be important for us is really to have a conversation to say, hey, when we think about these categories of services, like in Australia, like who are the vendors that provide them uh, that are most popular and most sought after? Yep. Um, yeah, so we think of child care or we think about transportation or we think about, um, you know, home cleaning and, 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 and gyms and things like that. Like, how can we actually um, not just, uh, you know, arbitrarily put stuff on a platform for those that are in Australia, but be really yeah. thoughtful about it. We would need yeah, cool. Yeah. We'll, uh, we'll chat, we'll yeah. chat about that when the time comes. That's awesome. That's a great yeah. idea, man. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I, uh, I've got a friend, he, uh, he works in, uh, he works in it. He works in what's called penetration testing, which is basically stopping viruses from 
mm. penetrating through the walls of companies and getting in and you know screwing over their computer systems. Yeah. Um, so a very needed needed thing, unfortunately, in these days. But uh, he mentioned that he was working with a couple of guys who were over in Silicon Valley about five years ago, and they were over there for about two years. Uh, and I believe the words he used were, he's like, man, the startup world, uh, and especially in Silicon Valley, they were trying to develop an app, I think, as most people in Silicon were. Yeah. Uh, but he said, the startup world, uh, if you don't succeed, can feel like it has just chewed you up and spat you out. And then it'll spit you out three years later with nothing because you didn't succeed. <laughs> right. uh, you got a hell of a lot of skills, but a whole, whole lot of hell of a lot of uh, stress lines as well. Uh, does it feel, does it feel like that some days? Are there some days where you're working and you're just like, man, we are on the brink of failure here, but also on the ultimate brink of success right at the same time. Does it ever feel like that? It does. I mean, but I think that's, that's sales period, right? There's, yeah, there's that, you may have seen that, you know, there's this like, uh, you know, uh, the attitude or the mindset of a, of a, of a salesperson and it goes from like, yeah, we're killing it to like. I don't even know if I belong in this field. Like, it, <laughs> you know, it's just, you know, it's just the ebbs and flows and sort of the ups and downs of, of life as a salesperson. But being involved with the startup, um, at least you can say that some of, you know, your success or failure was contributed to by <laughs> directly your activity. Yeah. And that was what was important for me. It's like, I, I, I want to see my impact up close and personal, right? Yes. Like, I don't want to be 16 layers removed from this action that I took and the, the, re, the result of that action somewhere in the, you know, the corporate ecosystem. Yes. Right. That I have to chase down, like, why did I do that? And what does it matter to the company? Mm. Right. I want to, I want to see it up front and, and, and close and personal. That's why I like leaders, people leadership versus individual contributor, which, you know, I found out uh, more recently than, than ever that I missed that aspect of it. Like seeing my impact in a person's life, uh, up close and personal, greater than sign, uh, knowing that I impacted, you know, uh, a change of a decibel place for a multi-billion dollar corporation. Yeah, cool, man. So um, in, in saying that that is the sales world, uh, <laughs> what is it that draws you to that, uh, shall we say, almost insane way of living? Like, cause it is, it's just so unpredictable. It's so up and down there. I mean, those that haven't been in the world of sales before might not be able to relate, but I'm sure there is something they can relate to in their life where they're like, that was crazy. I didn't want that to go on for five more seconds. Yet you choose the career path that is completely dedicated to not knowing what's about to happen next. Um, yeah. Yeah. What do you to that man, do you think? I'm um, just a, a disdain for monotony. Um, you know, uh, initially it was like, man, Every conversation I have is a different conversation uh, and all the outcomes might be different as well. And that for some reason drew me to it. And then, you know, later I did like the Enneagram test and all of that stuff like that turns out I'm a seven. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so, so it started to make sense. Like, okay, yeah, I, I don't like monotony. I like, I want to try everything. I want to do everything. And uh, the closest I can come to it really is being involved in sales, specifically in a startup where yeah, I wear, yeah you really a took lot it of all the way, <laughs> right? So it's like let's go full throttle uh, and do this. I moved my family to Silicon Valley for like four months to take an opportunity to start a yeah, uh, wow. you know, to get into the startup world to begin with. Like that was the first startup I worked for was Branch Metrics, which 
you know, I have strong relationships there too. But I, I literally uprooted like my my wife and five kids, and we went to California to take that to take that shot. Man, how'd that go? It, I mean, it went it went great. Like again, like I'm, I don't measure it the way I think other people. I don't measure aspects of my career or even moments in my career the same way other people might. Um, so when I say we went out to California, I moved my entire family, sold our house in the whole nine, and we stayed out there for like four months. And then we came back to Virginia. People look at me like I have 17 heads. Mm. And, uh, and, and for me, I'm just like, you can't imagine how much I learned and, and how awesome the relationships that I built out there were until you realize that several years later, like I spent time with the, the incoming sales team um, of that same organization because of the relationships that I built. And, uh, you know, how amicable it was when I left, like there's no hard feelings. And, you know, again, I've never let this, I said this, what I'm about to say, I said to a group of my friends and they, you know, I got challenged a lot on it, but I've never worked for a company or, uh, you know, worked with a company that I could then work for their competitor. Like it's, it's just, yes. And, and to me, to me, that's important. Like everybody else was just like, well, what do you mean competitor and how like product or service or this or that? And I'm like, just overall, just think about it. Like if I left like branch in California, if they have a competitor in that space, I would, I could never work for that competitor because I actually believe what I said when I sold for branch. Yeah. Um, yeah <laughs> same thing yeah. at Intuit and Bloomberg and that, and then Seismic, when I left Seismic, it's the same thing. Um, and, and to me that, that, that says something and it, and it, it actually strengthens the relationships that I have in these places uh, because I still believe and I'm still a cheerleader for all of those companies. Cool. Love it, man. And you said the word there before, disdain for monotony. Oh, that's like, that's very hashtagable. <laughs> In fact, it's a very good name for like a teenage angst band. We've, we've been talking recently about, <laughs> we've found that a lot of people in the business and business world were in bands when they were younger, when they were like in their teens. And a lot of the band yeah. names that kids had when they were teens, man, you can talk about it over beers for hours, man. It's an absolute pizza. Anyway, yeah. we need to add disdain for monotony to that list as a band name. <laughs> um, so what, what is it about monotony that you disdain so much? If we just isolate that word monotony what what do you really uh what what is so ag against it for you what's where's that sit for you? it just doesn't feel it just it, for me it just doesn't feel natural right like i mean and i'm not talking about the mundane things like yeah every day you have to wash dishes right that's not what i'm talking mm -hmm. about i'm talking about and like the thing that you choose to spend the vast majority of your time doing it for me um, if it is the same thing over and over and over and over and over ad infinitum, like I die. Like I just, I'm not, I'm not built for mm -hmm. it. I'm not made for it. I'm not wired that way by my creator. Uh, and so it, it really, really, uh, the disdain comes from like what I feel when I'm engaged in monotonous acts over and over again. Yeah. I was listening to a Joe Rogan podcast the other day and he was saying how this, we have this in the, in the modern world. Uh, particularly younger generations coming through is, is what the stats are showing. Um, I have no stats. I can't relate to them right now, but, um, but this is what was mentioned was that we are becoming a generation that are more and more geared towards comfort. We need everything now. We need it just the way we want it. And uh, comfort is becoming the major value. And uh, mm -hmm. Joe Rogan was saying, he's like, guys, just to like, just to say it how it is, that's bullshit. Like we're not wired for the, we're not wired wired for the comfort that we're seeking. Yeah. We're wired to run away from predators and run towards you know to run towards the cave, right? Yeah. Or run towards food, 
or run towards sex, right? That's what we're wired for. So it's this constant tension of push and pull. And he's like, this, this desire for comfort is actually what's creating so much stress. Mm-hmm. It's, we all know mm-hmm. this, like it can be quite stressful before you go up and do a public speech, mm-hmm. but after it, or even in it, when you're in the moment of it yeah. and, you, and you're going well with it, it's, you feel alive. You feel yeah. awesome, even though it would be so much more comfortable sitting there in the stands watching the speech. That's you right. know what I mean? That's right. That's right. So this, this desire for comfort is taking us over when it's probably not the healthiest thing at large. Yeah. Is that just because it's mar- marketed at us? Yeah, I suppose so. Like that? I suppose so. <laughs> it is. Yes. And, and it you know, yeah. in my worldview is like, hey, the comforts you seek and you keep running after, like, is like chasing the wind. Like, you, you, you'll never, who, whoever has gotten to a point where they were just like, you know what? I've sought comfort for 25 years and finally I'm 100% comfortable. Mm. Right? Like, yeah. <laughs> like, like, it's like your eyes are never full of seeing, your ears are never full of hearing, right? Uh, you know, the, 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 the appetites that we have for comfort, security, and approval are voracious and they can never be uh, satisfied or satiated. And so if that's what we're chasing, then no wonder the commercials continue to grab us. And no wonder the, the propaganda and the, the, the marketing, as, as was mentioned, continue to grab us because we're still chasing after the uncatchable as it relates to comfort and approval and all of these sorts of things. And so, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a sham. Uh, and I think, and I think, you know, Rogan probably nailed it with that. Yeah, nice one. Man, we got uh, we got two questions left that we love to finish every podcast with. think you're going to really like them. All right. Okay. Are yes. we doing any of the other questions? Say, say again, like, Matt. Like, remember, is it one or two back? We told people to submit questions to us and we still haven't answered any of those. Let's keep them coming. Do you have any? I have some, yeah. Okay, great. <laughs> love it. Okay, so we'll, we'll go with the two questions and then we'll go with the third question from the audience. Okay, so the first question, and Steve's usually the master at this, so I'm going to have to do my best to language this the way he does. But the question goes something like this. What is something you have come to believe to be true that you know a lot of other people simply disagree with? Mm. Wow. I think, I think, I, I certainly think I've come to believe that it is true that, um, the majority of us find our, our our identity in something that is not built or able to sustain it. Um, and the reason I would say that I think a lot of people largely don't believe that is because like, you know, people, people do think that they can root and anchor their identity in something external that is like work or otherwise. And I think that's really the origin of burnout. That's the origin of mm. all of the negative things. Like if, you know, and, and I had this conversation when we talked about depression with um, a few other sellers before, where we just say, well, you know, why is it that I keep being broken by this career mentally and, and spiritually? And, it, and, and a lot of it is like, well, cause you're, you're finding your identity in what you do and when you fail at what you do, then then you have identified yourself as a failure. And that's that's harsh mm-hmm. and that's hard. So I think I, I believe that we, we're not able to find out we're not able to properly root our identity in anything act, you know, action oriented that we are able to do. Um, and, and I think mm-hmm. a lot of people are actually doing that and trying that. Uh, and we're seeing the results of it in like the high incidences of depression and alcoholism and things like that in the space. Well said, man. Well said. 
you know, I love that at the, at the sales success summit last year. Um, and it was actually a big through line at a recent conference. We just attended called pause fest in Melbourne, Australia, brilliant festival, uh, business innovation and tech. Yeah. And there was this massive through line at both of those about the importance of mental health in mm. business and in our professional careers at large, not yeah. just business owners, not just salespeople, but taking care of mental health and the importance of that in 2020 moving forwards. It, man, it's inspiring to see. I think it's so important. Yeah, it's, it's, so, important. it's so important. And, you know, even I, I just said that, right? I just articulated that we can't find our identity in our work and what we do and who we are. Yes. I struggle with that every single day, right? Yes. Um, and unless somebody yeah. reminds me that your identity is not in what you do, you in and of yourself have some value and, and uh, you know, and, and, and you you are valuable not because of what you do or what you bring to the table and things like that. Like I have to have a constant reminder that my wife is awesome at it. Um, yes. but, but without that constant reminder, like I will, I will absolutely be looking for my identity in this stuff that I'm doing. Yeah. Well said, man. Yeah. All right. Second question here, uh, similar question, but it sort of goes back the other way, which is, uh, what is something that you currently believe is true but that you sense yourself starting to let go of. Oh, wow. Yeah, that, that, this, I mean, this is 100% transparent. Like, you know, I came to work, <laughs> I came to work at this startup and I had been in corporate America uh, in a lot of different ways. And, and, and I believe that, I believe it's true that like, the harder you work to some degree, like the better the outcomes and the, the, the you know, the more uh, you can establish not only yourself, but like the company that you work for and you can sell more and do more and, and serve more and things like that. Um, I'm starting to let go of that just because of who I'm surrounded by. Uh, my founders mm. here are clear. Uh, prime example, you know, here, you know, we have this break uh, over the, the Christmas break here starting like December 23rd. And our CEO literally sent an email to us all and said, hey, just want you to know uh, the company is going to be sustained with or without you. Uh, and what that means for me is we want you to take the proper time to spend with your family. I'm telling you that there's no real reason that you should have your laptops open from December 23rd to January 2nd. <laughs> like <laughs> totally rocked me that that's the mentality and that's the culture of this company fringe. And so I'm now starting to have to let go of the, the notion that sellers and salespeople don't have breaks or, you know, yeah, it's a holiday for most, but we're not going to take the holiday because it's high selling season. Hey, and yeah. the idea that I, you know, the work that I do sustains the business is, is false. And I'm starting to believe that it's false and letting it go. Brilliant. Love that. <clears throat> Hit us, Matt. That's a good answer. Um, I got a, I've got a couple, but we'll just go with one because the other... Ones kind of relate to Steve. Okay. But um, Glenn Azar. Hi, Glenn. Shout out to Glenn. Yeah. Just so you know, uh, um, Glenn, Glenn's daughter, Alyssa, I think, what, what was the stat on that? She's the youngest female to summit Everest. Is that the exact I think, stat? I think she's is? the youngest Australian. Youngest Australian to summit Everest? Female. 
Yeah, she's Maybe. anyway. It's she's, something along she's, those lines. And Glenn's a she great has, man. She has climbed. She has climbed Everest, and that's a feat. In yeah, 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 like, yeah, yeah. Like we're like we're splitting hairs. Yeah, Virginia. Yeah, she climbed Everest. Man. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, Glenn's a great man. Glenn is actually who introduced Steve and I. Uh, and Glenn, Glenn runs a company called Adventure Professionals. He, he just takes people on these, yeah, you know, like professional tre- uh, adventure. Uh, treks all around the world, i.e., you know, the Kokoda track and uh, Yukon. And yeah, he's, he does some brilliant work. But anyway, shoot ahead, Matt, go for it. Yeah. Um, he was following us. I can't remember which episode it was, but we were talking about how we feel about content. Yes. And he asked, um, How can I justify my own content? How can I justify my own content? Yeah. Wow. Man, talk about a, a loaded question to start things off to one. Ah. Uh, man, that could that that could go so many uh, go so many ways. You have any thoughts come up to one? I mean, is is is, is that question posed to me or posed? Uh, you know, no, I think it's, it's, it's just for discussion just at large. Yeah. I, th- I think it's in response to Darcy. You said something way back where you were like, "I used to think content is really important, and now I I don't feel that way." Yeah. As much. Yeah. Well, I think. Well, I mean, ultimately. So, if we take it from the business context, purely business, purely purely capitalist thinking, you yeah. justify yeah. it by the fact that it's returning an investment of your time. Mm-hmm. Um, that's just the straightforward answer to that. If if your content is leading to you generating sales, then fantastic. Um, but I think the best reason or the best justification for creating content is purely and simply for the art of creating it. And you create it because you want to. Um, the best, like we don't do this podcast, Ben, because it makes us any money. We <laughs> no. just love having these philosophical conversations. This is content, you know? Yeah. Um, and I've found that if ever I get into creating content and I'm creating it for the purpose of making sales, the content sucks. I'm not feeling it. I feel more drained after it than before I started it. And that's never a good sign. Um, and, I, and I think that you always know within you I'm just doing this because I'm low on sales at the moment. I just got to get some content out there. It's like, nah, the, the, the audience feels more the zone you were in when you were creating the content. They feel that first, then they feel what the content's about second yeah. is the way I've come to, come to understand it. Man, I think, I think that, first of all, I think that's brilliant. Like, I, you know, I can, and I don't know, it, I would imagine that there's a lot of people who have had the same experience. Like I talked to, you know, Jeff Jordan, a good friend of mine who, uh, does yeah, why, Jeff's why, man. Why, he has a tremendous amount of content, and we talk about you know we, we talked about like content generally. And he's just like, yeah, you, you know, you think about things and you have ideas all the time. Like just you know, put it out and push go. It's not really about, and that's hard. That, that's been hard for me as it relates to content. And I found that the funniest thing is like posts that I put out there to just like spur the moment of me thinking. Like the other day I saw somebody post like, yeah. you know, uh, you know, it, don't send me a, a, you know, a LinkedIn connection without a note. I'm just going to disregard it. And I was just like, what kind of, and that's when I wrote that post. Like, you know, I, frankly, I don't care if you send a note or not. Like I, I'll look at your profile and if, it, if I can understand why you want to connect, then I'm going to connect. Like, and that was just really random. Like, this is what I'm thinking at this moment based on what I just read. And it's like one of my most engaged um, from a views perspective, post ever. Like, and I was just like, that was so random. Like, I wasn't even thinking about, like, let me put some content together. I was just responding to something that I was thinking and feeling at the time. And so that was a, that's a learning for me, but it, it, it also just goes hand in hand with the, 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 the talks I've had with Jeff Majoric about content. 
And ultimately, it's exactly what you said, right? Like, it's just, you know, how do I justify my content? I don't have to justify my content. These are the things I think and feel. And, and I don't need to justify those. I just need to say them. Well said. Love it. Man, we want to thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. You've been a hell of a guest. Um, between yourself and Jack Wilson, we are really starting to spread ourselves across America. We're slowly starting our U.S. domination, man. We're we're a big fan of both of your yeah. work. Man, uh, if people awesome, want to find out a bit more about yourself or a bit more about 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 Fringe, um, where should yeah. we go? Where's the best place to check you out or connect with you on LinkedIn? Yeah, for me, uh, LinkedIn would be the place. Uh, you know, LinkedIn forward slash I N slash Dewan Brown. And then, as far as like you know, the, the company and the work that I'm into right now is is Fringe. Hello, Fringe Co. Hello, Fringe Co. Uh, find out the information there. Again, like we, we hope to be able to help companies love on their employees. When we think about the pursuit of love, like we want companies to be able to love on their employees holistically as they as they desire to, and we, we want to help with that. You rip up. And uh, let's look forward to that uh, coming to Australia soon. Hopefully, we would love to see something like that over here. I think yeah. that's a great idea. Thanks again, man. Mm-hmm. And we will see you next week on the Pursuit of Love.